0: Today's guest is a story of inclusion that I think we should all aspire to. Sophie Sun was born in China in 1986, and then she moved to the Netherlands in 2007 to pursue her degree. And she lived there ever since. After receiving her master's degree in Dutch literature, she has gone on to translate more than a hundred books from Dutch to Chinese, to act as a bridge between the two cultures. Sophie then started to focus on the topic of happiness. She founded Build Your Happiness to bring engagement and happiness at work for different organizations and has also served as the chief happiness officer for one of the biggest Dutch banks, ABN Amro. Sophie's mission is to help organization create that trust environment, if you want, a safe environment so that everyone can feel free to be who they truly are. And I think she gives a fabulous example of that because, of course, as you can imagine, our world, as much as we would love for it to be inclusive, uh, to be a Chinese person in a Western culture challenges your ability to be who you are. And in a place where you can actually express yourself freely, That would be a place where happiness really flows. In order to continue her mission and spread as much happiness as possible, Sophie, together with her life partner, Marco, are organizing a series of happiness events in 2021. The first event, which I will be speaking at, is called Define Your Happiness. This unique and innovative approach to inspiring speakers and to motivate people and A long-term perspective of investing in your happiness through a series of steps, if you want, is something that I'm very optimistic will bring happiness to quite a few people. Sophie, it's so good to have you with me today. And of course, we will be talking about happiness, but also I'd like to talk about many other topics, including your own personal story. Sophie, nice to meet you again.
1: Nice to
0: meet you, Mo. Last time we met, we were talking about uh, the event, which I know you announced this week. It's March 4th is the event, right? Yes, that's
1: right. Yeah, we launched last uh, Sunday. So uh, we're very excited.
0: Yeah, and I'm sure very busy, are you?
1: Yes, (laughs) we
0: are. (laughs) So I want to go back and talk about the event. But first, maybe I should introduce you to my listeners. So how many languages do you speak?
1: I speak uh, Chinese, actually I'm Mandarin, it's my mother tongue and English, uh, which I'm speaking now. And I also speak Dutch.
0: So how did that happen? You moved from China to the Netherlands?
1: Yes. Yes, I, um, I can tell my story from the beginning.
0: Tell me your story from the beginning. Best introduction <laughs> ever.
1: <laughs> I came to the Netherlands um, actually why I also speak Dutch. I was born in China uh, in 1986, so I'm uh, 34 years old. And uh, in 2005, I chose to study Dutch because I think, um, I, I love languages. I, I already loved English when uh, I was in middle school. But I, so so I, I thought if I, uh, I can choose to study, I would just study a language. And, but I don't want to study big languages like English, German, you know, French, everyone is doing that. And I don't want to study a language from Asian because I I was born there, I grew up here. So when I see Dutch, um, before me, uh, actually before the group of students uh, where I was uh, one of them, nobody studied Dutch on that university. So uh, I was at Beijing Foreign Studies University and uh, it was the first group of Chinese students who were studying Dutch. So I thought, okay, before me, nobody, study Dutch, uh, which means I can easily find a nice job if I graduate. And it's a kind of strategic choice. So that's how I started to study the Dutch language. And then in 2007, there was such a great chance to come to the Netherlands. That's a kind of cooperation of uh, University Leiden and the Dutch Literature Foundation. They were looking for Chinese students who were studying Dutch, then... They would like that uh, we come to the Netherlands to study Dutch and then become a uh, like liter- literature translator so that we can promote Dutch uh, literature in China, uh, which I did uh-huh. until last year because this year it's going crazy in our business. So I haven't had time for translation, but until last year I was also translating Dutch literature into Chinese.
0: You're that good. I mean, you're fluent in Dutch to the point that you can translate books.
1: Yes, I I think maybe it's a little bit arrogant to say that I think my Dutch is better than a lot of Dutch people. (laughs)
0: No way. That's how you do it. So I hear that you translated not like five, ten books. You translated a lot of books, right? More than a hundred books, I think.
1: Yeah, I I don't remember how many books I've translated. I was counting the number of uh, the books, you know, but... When I translated more than 100 titles, I, then I stopped. <laughs> exactly.
0: doesn't matter anymore. And so you moved to the Netherlands and you stayed in the Netherlands. Yes. In Amsterdam.
1: Now, I live in Leiden. It's a kind of university uh, city. I lived here like 10 years. And three years ago, uh, I moved to a very, very small village in North Holland. It's a province in the Netherlands. It's called Uitgeist. I don't think anyone knows it. It's a very small village. I found a lovely house, so I decided to move to here.
0: Wonderful. Yeah. So can I ask you a bit of a sensitive question? I mean, I've worked with China for years. Most of my career involved emerging markets, and of course you can't be uh, working on that side of the world without working with China. It's, it's a very misunderstood culture in the Western world. I don't know. I mean, did you feel welcome when you went to the Netherlands? Did you feel that it was easy? Did you manage to blend in?
1: Yeah. um, At the beginning, I didn't find it easy because I'm the only child of my parents. So I was leaving really leaving my parents, leaving everything behind me. But when I came here, it was actually, my first day in the Netherlands was actually very funny. So I got um, some information of the university where I, I can find my room, you know. But they emailed me how I can get there and which bus I should take, but I missed the email, so I didn't know where I should. How <laughs> I <can. laughs> so I was I was standing at Schiphol at the airport, and I thought it was like six o'clock in the afternoon. So I thought maybe I should like uh, find a hotel, and then the day after I will go to Leiden, and then I will see what happens. So I, I went to a hotel, and the next day I went back to um, Schiphol and uh, I was asking people which train I should take. And I jumped on the train and was enlightened. And then I go to the bus station and a um, young boy, he told me that which bus I should take, but he was not sure where I should just step out. That's important. <laughs> so you've been in the Netherlands, right? You, you've stayed here like...
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, many, many, many times.
1: Yes. And uh, the Netherlands is, is very different than China. It's, I was born in a city, I grew up in a city, but you, if you are here, uh, Leiden is a small city and uh, the room was not in the center of Leiden, it's like outside Leiden. It's in Oostreis, it's also a small village. So I couldn't find the room. And I just stepped up. Oh, out, wow. <laughs> I just stepped up at the bus and I just saw horses, you know, a lot of uh, <laughs> land. How old were you? I was like it was 2007 i was 21 i was 10 21 years
0: old oh my god okay first time out of china
1: yes uh yeah it's the first time out of china and and then i have three pieces of luggages i've a big big luggage and then i have the laptop bag and i have uh, also another bag so i was standing on the road and uh i didn't see anybody and i just picked up my phone i called my parents i said <laughs> I couldn't find anyone. And my mother said, can you find, like, police? No, I said, I, I couldn't see anyone. I just said horses. <laughs> and uh, then uh, I began to cry. And then I think a driver, uh, he was delivering food for the university. And he saw me on the street. And he came to me. He asked me "What's was going on. And I have an address, like, on the piece of paper. Uh, that's the address of my room and uh, he looked at it and he didn't know where it was uh, neither. So he said to me, let's get off my, uh, my car and I will help you to find it. I, I didn't know this man, so it could also go wrong, but I, I really didn't know what I should do on that day. I uh, didn't have any choice, so I went together with him and he took me to the town. Uh, first, we went to the police station. They, they didn't know where it was neither, so- Wow. So we went to the city town, the, the town hall, to ask where this room was. And finally, we found it, it's kind of between Leiden and Ust You know, it's really a small campus where all the students are living. So that's how I found out my room the first day. And I've been like helped by a Dutch guy who I actually didn't know. I say thank you to him in Dutch. And he just wished me good luck. And so I felt, Welcome on the first day. It's not easy to come here, but if I look back uh, at this moment, it was you know the Dutch culture and and Chinese culture is so different. Very different. Uh, Yeah, it's it's very different. So uh, at the beginning, I felt welcome, but I had to get used to the Dutch culture, you know, Dutch people, and the whole picture.
0: That's quite brave, isn't it? I mean, for a twenty-one-year-old to leave. To a totally new world, I would say. I mean, it's not easy to navigate China. You may think it is, but for us, when we go to China, we feel exactly the same way. Everything is just very confusing. And so then you stayed, you translated books, but you also did quite a few happiness-related jobs. You know, in your last job, you were the chief happiness officer. So tell me a bit about that. How did you end up in those places?
1: Yeah, actually, my happiness adventure began in 2015. Because uh, before 2015, I was uh, doing research on the university about Dutch literature, Chinese literature, and that kind of thing. And then in 2010, I began to doing research uh, in Leiden. And then it took me like four years and I realized it's very, it's kind of a lonely job. You know, you're sitting there doing research, you're reading, and I didn't have uh, much contact with people. So uh, I realized one day I need more social contact. So I tried to so I, I began to look for more social contacts. Then one day I found a job at a Dutch middle school. So I got a job to teach Dutch children the Dutch language. Wow! <laughs> I <did> like, okay. <laughs> so I did like uh, for seven months, and I realized that Dutch children are very different from Chinese children. You know, we, in our opinion, uh, for Chinese children, is the teacher absolute and authority figure so we have we show respect to them but in dutch you're just free to say anything so uh, i realized it's not the job for me to do but i tried Uh, actually as a child I i really want to be a teacher to teach children and i tried and i have the conclusion that it's not for me at least not not in the Netherlands so at that moment i was not very happy at my job and i started to think what I really want, you know, uh, I come from China, I studied the Dutch language, I know both cultures. I was thinking about some position between, like a kind of bridge between Dutch uh, and, and the Chinese culture. Uh, but I didn't find out what I uh, would like to do exactly. So I went back to my parents' uh, summer vacation, and then I came back again. Then I. Uh, I was called by a recruiter um, uh, and she asked me if i I was interested in a kind of H r assistant uh, job within an insurance company and uh, because the Dutch uh, insurance company was taken over by an, a Chinese insurance company, and there are a lot of cultural uh, cultural issues within the company. So I I thought, why not? I can give it a try. And then I went to the interviews and I felt immediately click with the team, with the manager. But we have one small challenge. is that I haven't worked as an assistant before 2015. So they sent me to a course, you know, like a pressure cooker course and uh, they transformed me to (laughs) an assistant. (laughs) Then I started to work uh, within the company and because I also speak Chinese, so I had a lot of contact with my Chinese colleagues in China too. So I was kind of a bridge between China and the Netherlands. And I was very happy at the moment because it was new. We have we had a lot of nice people around around me. Uh, I got a lot of energy. But after um, um, like six months and a half year later, uh, there was a big, big reorganization. Like uh, within six months, they have done the organization like thousand people were gone yeah it was a very big impact for the workplace i could stay so because my language and cultural background they say a lot they saw a lot of potential in me so i got promoted but um even though i got promoted i got higher salary but i didn't feel more happy so i was wondering why why does this happen to me then i begin to google (laughs) how can be happier how I can become happier in my job and uh, it was in 2016 and then uh, I found a a workshop Uh, it's about happiness at work and how you can implement happiness at work from the HR perspective and I went to the workshop it's like two days and after the workshop I, I really I was so excited about this topic and I thought this is what my employer really needed at the moment so I tried to introduce this topic to my employer. I tried several times, but they didn't take it very seriously. And in the past two years, the topic like uh, happiness at work really become popular uh, in the Netherlands. But uh, in 2006, yeah, nobody knew what it was. So I tried, but um, and they didn't take it seriously. But I really want to do something with happiness at work, this topic. So I said, okay, I can't do it here. but. It doesn't mean that i can't do it at all so i quit my job and uh, started my own company and to focus on uh, this topic and um, at the beginning i didn't i had no idea what i should do with it how i can get in touch with my potential clients that kind of things Uh, so i was kind of uh, searching for the ways which i can take i was also doing experiments like giving workshops and that kind of things and at one moment, I was, I got a kind of assignment as freelancer, HR freelancer within a bank in, uh, in the Netherlands. And uh, then I started to freelancing like an HR officer, an HR advisor. Then um, I began to earn, earn money from my own company. But I realized that I because I was busy with uh, freelancing, I didn't have uh, much time for happiness at work for the topic anymore. So I've done freelancing like for uh, nine months. And then I said to myself, I have to focus. Now I, I want to focus on really the topic of happiness at work. So that's the end of 2018, I think. And then at that moment, um, one old colleague at the insurance company, she contacted me and she asked me, like, uh, oh, Sophie, I know you were doing uh, things for Happiness at Work, we have, maybe we have something uh, nice for you, uh, do you uh, want to yeah, have a chat with us?" Uh, she was working at the AB Bro, uh, it's one of the biggest uh, Dutch banks, and um, so I went there and I have like two interviews, one with her and uh, another colleague, and another one is with the manager of the department, and they said, after a few days, they said to me, oh, I think we need you here to help us to create more Happiness at Work and more connection uh, as the workplace. So I started a big program there. We call it like happy people program to create more happiness at work and connection. Do
0: you believe that happiness at work is the responsibility of the employer? I mean, as you rightly said, it only became popular in the last couple of years. It seems to me that most big companies in the world believe that they should pay you. Uh, they should make sure that you get certain benefits. But that happiness, you know, that's not their responsibility. I mean, is it important for companies to focus on happiness at work?
1: I think it's, uh, it, I believe it's very important because I know that there are a lot of scientific research that shows the benefits of happiness at work. But I think um, there are just effects of happiness at work. If, if you invest in happiness at work, happiness of your employees, and then you will get some results, uh, some brilliant results. But I think as, as a person, you deserve, you, you really deserve to be happy at work. And I cannot imagine if, for me, it doesn't matter if you're a manager or if you are an employee, if you're not happy at your work, we work a lot. I mean, um, normally eight hours per day, maybe even more if you are now working from home. So if you're not happy at your work, which means you are not happy eight hours, even more than eight hours a day, it's terrible. I cannot imagine how it is.
0: Yet so many people live that way. I mean, to me, your path is quite interesting because, again, you know, it seems to me that you constantly followed your dream in an optimistic way, if you want. It's like, you know, you're in China somewhere. You could do what every other Chinese young woman did and study economics or whatever and then, you know, go to a job and grow and so on. But you go like, hmm, Dutch you know, like out, <laughs> out of everything in the world. And the way things unfold for you is that you make moves when you're not happy or when you're, right? But this is not the normal for people. People just get stick in places and, you know, they're unhappy, but who cares? It's a job.
1: Uh, unfortunately, I say this it, it happens a lot too. Uh, I see people like, like me, you know, they're, they're making steps to become happier. But I still see a lot of people who are not happy at their job and they just like indeed stuck here. And because every time I ask, why why don't you take steps and make steps? And the answers are like, I have to pay bills, uh, you know, uh, it's stable to stay here. And, and some people are even telling me that uh, if you have a job, you just have to do your job. It has nothing to do with happiness. When I hear this, I really feel sorry for them. I also have friends who uh, who are struggling with this, and uh, I see the opportunities. But um, yeah, if they don't see it, I cannot make decisions for them. So it happens a lot. I, I always think for me, it's, it's happiness is very important because I've been through, I've been there when I was not happy. I knew what kind of impact it has uh, on my personal life. Then I came home. I took the emotions back home and I was complaining and my partner was not happy uh, neither. So for me, it's very important. I I, I really feel sorry that a lot of people don't put it as a priority, actually.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I want to go to the events that you're building because I think the concept is quite interesting. But before I go there, I want to ask you about, you've seen two very distinct cultures, the Chinese culture and the Dutch or the European. I mean, the Dutch is probably similar to the German, a little bit of the Brit in terms of their directness and focus on success and so on and so forth. So what is happiness in each of those cultures? Tell us about happiness in China. Is China happy?
1: It's a good question. Uh, I think that actually I, I don't know if China is happy. I, I realized when I was in China, uh, I grew up in a very warm family, you know, but we never talked about happiness, not, never talked about feelings or emotions. We are, I think it's, if I ask my friends and it also happened in their family, it's, we just don't talk about emotions. And I was, I am still a very sensitive person. So I felt everything, but I couldn't say it aloud. It's very funny because I, I say every day, almost every day to my partner, I love you but I haven't said to my parents
0: oh <laughs> lucky him it's it, this is now documented did you hear that she said she loves you formally on a podcast okay go on sophie
1: so we don't see it in that way we just we do things for each other that's the way we we show our happiness we show the love to each other so actually I never asked my parents like are you happy we don't ask it but we Although we're very far away from each other, but we FaceTime like uh, every week and we tell each other how, how things are going and very excited for us too. So this is a way we show our happiness, but we don't really ask people, are you happy? But in China, we, we ask people like, have you already, have your dinner or something like that? But we don't ask, yeah. we don't talk about happiness.
0: So this is really important because, you know, again, I, I did a lot of work in Japan and in Korea. And I feel that China being maybe slightly in a different phase, I think those nations have burned themselves through in terms of productivity a little ahead of China. And now you can see the impact where like the Chinese culture and in many parts of Asia, you you get that, hey, toughen up. Life is not about being happy. It's about doing the right thing. It's about respect. And as you can see now, you know, Korea is, I think, one of the highest suicide rates in the world. And happiness is a struggle, is a big struggle in in Japan and in Korea. And when I actually published Soul for Happy in Korea, it became an instant bestseller because of, of course, it's a logical book. So Koreans are very logical in general, but also because of this desperate need for happiness. And It's also, again, I say that with a lot of respect. I've worked a lot in China and I have tons of Chinese friends and I respect the nation tremendously. But I think this is part of how China is accepted, you know, is viewed in the West in terms of like, you know, we're going to just work hard. This is not about having fun. And I think that's a bit of the cultural divide. But in an interesting way, there is a tremendous upside to that. There is a tremendous upside to that culture of respect. There is a tremendous upside to the culture of seriousness, of work ethic, but it becomes quite uh, challenging. I'd say though, have you felt that this was different in the Netherlands? Because also the Netherlands is very direct. It's very serious in terms of the way things are done. Did you feel happiness was different there?
1: Yeah, I think it's different because Dutch people are, are very direct, right? But They also enjoy, they know how to enjoy life.
0: I know. I know. I just love that about them.
1: <laughs> That's also one of the reasons uh, why I choose to stay here. It's, it's quite relaxed to stay here, and the Chinese they are very. They are making temples so we have to work hard. And I know Dutch people who are also working very hard, but in general, they you know they love vacations. Uh, yeah. They also have vacations, but my parents they're just working like almost twenty-four-seven. And they never have vacations, especially my father, and he's a really a workaholic. But here, you know, they, are, they enjoy the moments, and especially, you know, the, the Christmas is coming, and you will, like, feel that the, in the companies to um, finishing their job and slowing down and to the vacation. So I can feel the difference. The words still, it still comes to me, it's enjoying things.
0: Let's talk about the event. So I very much like the structure, but I want you to explain to me why you thought of it this way. So you're planning a series of four events, right? Yes. And they seem to be building on each other. So I'm I'm speaking in the first one. That's March 4th. And so that's called define your happiness. Then you have embrace your happiness. Then you have build your happiness and then celebrate your happiness. Yes. Yes. Okay, so what is that process? I mean, I'm supposed to be like a happiness guy, so I should know that stuff, but I actually don't. Why define first, then embrace, then build, then celebrate?
1: Yes, we believe like um, happiness is ongoing process. And uh, we realized also when I worked within the bank for happiness work, we did the whole year, we are making movements the whole time. That's also one of the reasons why it was successful. And like your car, uh, or you go to the gym, you want to train yourself, and happiness is the same. You have to put efforts in it. So if we we could also like organize one event, and and then we finish it. But with these four events, you know, we, you, firstly you di- you're going to discover what's happiness to you, and you have a good foundation of happiness. Then you can take a look, what kind of challenge do I have in taking further steps, and then you can start following practical tips and really put it into practice. And at the end of the year, we forget quite often to celebrate our happiness, and we're also going to celebrate. So the whole year, we we would like to take people, go through the whole journey so they can maintain their happiness, like form a kind of habit, like doing it continuously in place of just oh, it's, we're going to one event and it's very nice and we're very excited and after the event, it's come, And we can like help people to make happiness really a kind of habit or ritual or something like that. Become conscious of the importance of happiness and really taking actions. This is what we really want to see in the, in the practice. They're really taking baby steps to become more conscious of happiness, to get closer to themselves.
0: I think that's fantastic. So I very, very frequently get people sending me messages saying, oh my God, we read your book. It's so wonderful. We cried, we laughed, we ra And then we became happy. And then a week later, poof, right? It's gone. And I go like, ah, I wish I had like some kind of an injection in there that basically takes what you understood and, you know, and puts it inside your being. But it isn't. It's, it's, it's that constant practice. You know, understanding how happiness works doesn't make you happy. It just makes you ready to practice, I think is the right word. And I think the idea of getting together frequently is is something that would probably make people think about it that way. But do you think people are willing to put in that time? I mean, you've launched on Sunday. How's the response? I mean, you you launched the program, not the event on Sunday. Do you believe people are willing to actually dedicate a span of a year to work on their happiness?
1: Yeah, we, uh, we've already sold a few tickets, so people are <laughs> coming to us. Great. Yeah, it's great. So um, I think there are a lot of people who want to do something about uh, happiness um, or happiness at work, but they need some facilitation, I think. We, we are doing this to facilitate them to, to go through this process. Uh, I think it also happens in companies. People are just saying, We need more connections. We we want to know each other better, but they are not doing anything. So I think as a manager or as a HR, it's very important to facilitate them. So now we're taking it very big. We're facilitating actually. If you want to join us, it could be the whole world. You know, we're doing it online, so uh, there is no boundary. So uh, one of the goals of our events is to make people conscious of the importance of happiness. We see people are struggling. And they want to do something, but they, they are asking how, how can I do this? They are also making big things like complicated, like big. Actually, there are small baby steps you, you can take, like the happiest of you. It's very good practice, I think. I'm, I'm doing this too. So we are also going to social media to make people aware of this, this happening. And uh, we really want people to become happier.
0: So I want to ask you this last question. Why don't you just find a job? Like a normal job. Like, you know, why all... <laughs> or no, why do we do that stuff? <laughs> Seriously, why does it matter so much?
1: Yeah, um, that's a good question. Why does it matter? Um, when I talk about this, you know, when I talk about happiness, just if I say this word aloud, it, it all happens a lot in my body. And... I think I always found happiness very, is very important for me I, I just until um, two or three years ago I began to get coached by people to follow the the, the the coach courses to look at really look at myself and realize I've already taken a lot of steps to become more happier and i'm now I'm seeing the results I really enjoy my work I really enjoy the whole life uh, which I have and I want to give this, this kind of feeling to everybody. You know, it's, it's so nice to, to just enjoy your work and doing things you like. And you ask me, why, why don't I find a job? I could. But it's also one of the reasons is as I grew up in China, you know, um, my parents are always supporting me. I can always make my own decisions. So I don't like people to tell me how I can do this
0: how I should do this. <laughs> oh, that makes you very unhappy. That's like if someone is the boss, you wanna be the boss yourself.
1: I don't like that. So I like to like make my decisions, follow my heart. And I have also worked within companies, but I realized that anyhow it didn't fit with it's not a mesh. So that's as so i working for myself and not finding a really job with a company, it makes me happy. So that's why <laughs> I'm doing this.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think it's a wonderful thing. To find a job that makes you happy, I think, is definitely mandatory. I, I say that all the time. I mean, I, I'm not saying jump out of your job tomorrow, but if you're not happy, start looking. Normally, I tell people, take your time if it takes six months, a year, two years. But, you know, we spend so much of our time working and it's, stupid if we spend all of that portion of our life unhappy. And if you can find a job like Sophie's where you actually end up making people happy because you're happy, then I think that's the best of all worlds. This is as good as it gets, as they say. So so, Sophie, tell me, how do people find you, find the event? Uh,
1: Now launch the program of the first event so they can go to www.defineyourhappiness.nl Then that's the site where you can see the first event, and um, the next three events will be launched uh, in the coming periods. Uh, But if you are on the site, then you can also see the whole journey
0: very, very good. So I wish you all luck and success. I know that you're doing this from the heart and trying to make a big difference. And I think this is for my listeners. When we met together to speak, Sophie and I and her partner and her team to speak about the event, we budgeted half an hour and spoke for an hour and a half. We left our heads off This is a team in the Netherlands. So to not be so tight on time like me from the Middle East and to just joke through the whole thing and be creative and open to ideas, I really enjoyed our conversation, as I enjoyed it again today. So give my regards to everyone, and I'm very, very grateful that you joined me today.
1: Thank you. Thank you. I'm honored to be here.
0: And for all of you who joined us, thank you so much for listening. Be sure to follow me on social media. Search for MoGaudet, Slow Mo, Soul for Happy, or 1 Billion Happy. I know you've got a lot going on, but remember, there is always time to slow down. Until next time, stay happy.